Right, so next up, we have got Les Knight coming in. And then at 7.30, we've got Mark Shaw coming in in 30 minutes. So Stephen's going to come in, and I'm going to take my break. Cheers. Good evening. Hey, Les, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well, Stephen. How about you? Wonderful. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, I think this might be my first foray into the voluntary human extinction. Oh, wonderful. So I'm really looking forward to picking your brain on it. But maybe maybe you can just unpack that for us. Let let us know exactly what the movement is, what its goals are and how you became involved. Yeah. Well, the voluntary human extinction movement is a humane alternative to the involuntary human extinction that we are working so hard to bring about. And uh, it will benefit uh, both humans and the biosphere, because as there are fewer and fewer of us, there'll potentially be more of everything for all life. Okay, so I mean, so we're looking at, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the, the, the feeling is there are far too many humans, resources are scar- scarce, our, our uh, presence on this planet is leading to the extinction of other species, you know, war, famine, yep. things like that. And I mean, I suppose philosophically, you know, the idea that humans, no conscious human life on the planet would be a net benefit uh in some sense no more pain no more suffering uh it makes sense but in a practical sense i mean can we expect humans to really really get on board with this idea <laughs> yeah you know it really hasn't caught on like i was hoping <laughs> the uh, the odds on our success are about the same as the odds on us uh caring for 10 billion people at the end of the century is pretty slim well, I mean, would your perspective change then, perhaps, if there was some, you know, scientific advancement, some revolutionary way of producing clean fuel, for instance, or, you know, a, a food source that would alleviate famine and things like that? Would you start to change your perspective on the presence of humans? Uh, no, because uh, wherever we live, not much else lives. It would be great if we had uh, green energy and so on, so we wouldn't be trashing the planet so much and maybe... Uh, you know, the billions of people who don't have enough could get it. But no, as, as long as we uh, are here, we take wildlife habitat. Okay. I mean, I suppose people would say like humans have, you know, we've evolved over millions of years. I think the kind of form we're in now is with somewhere around about 300,000 years, 250,000 years. Mm-hmm. It, seems, it seems like, you know, this sort of thing is a natural progression for humans in terms of, you know, using resources. Um, and we have an uncanny ability to survive and adapt, barring some sort of natural disaster, I would would imagine. So uh, is there not an, a case here to be made that, you know, human consciousness is such a, a rare and, and wonderful thing that has, has led to lots of great, you know, beauty, art, culture, uh, you know, Netflix, for example. Is, <laughs> is, is, is it not worth preserving uh, just for the, these reasons? Shakespeare, we've got some wonderful things. These are all very good for humans to enjoy. And until we go extinct, we will have the opportunity, I hope, to enjoy all those things. But uh, human consciousness, of course, we think is pretty darn special. But, you know, there's whale consciousness, and, and we have no idea about the consciousness of other species. They just don't, you know, write about it. So, yeah, just that opposable thumb issue tends to hold the whale community back in terms of prolific literature, surely. Um, so, 
I mean, people may look at your movement and, and what, what it stands for and assume, Les, that you you just have, a, you know, you're a misanthrope. You you can't stand humans. You're, you know, you're deeply bitter. I'm not getting that vibe from you, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> no. But I mean, maybe maybe you can clear that up for us because a lot of people will suspect that you just don't like humans and, and are deeply sure. unhappy. Yeah, it's a natural thing to think at first that, uh, you know, if you, if you don't like people, you want them to go extinct. But how we get there is important. I think if I were a misanthrope, I wouldn't be promoting an involuntary. I wouldn't be promoting a voluntary uh, extinction that uh, will benefit everyone. And and in order to get there, we need uh, universal reproductive freedom. The uh, health services for everyone are sadly lacking, and so that alone, even if we aren't successful, would be a great uh, human rights achievement. Okay, so just at this point, I would remind the the chat that if you want to get some questions uh, to Les, hit the hit the keyboard now, and I'll, I'll put the best ones to him. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned this idea of the sort of an involuntary movement as well. And do, do you worry? I mean, there are certain movements where uh, you know will attract a certain type of person. Obviously, every kind of ideology has its extreme fringes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with this ideology, which is centered around you know human extinction, obviously the extreme place you could take that would be you know direct murder caught you know direct act of trying to achieve genocide do you, do you worry that something as kind of uh, emphatic as this in terms of human existence could be kind of a, a beacon to, to sort of genocidal humans no uh the name voluntary human extinction movement uh kind of sums it up if anybody is does does things that aren't voluntary they're they're not part of this movement and there are people already out there killing other humans they have for ever since before we became human, maybe, I don't know. But we do seem to have a propensity for uh, conflict and uh, often violent enough to do severe harm to each other. There's another thing that would not exist. You know, Kurt Vonnegut, uh, one of his last interviews said that, uh, you know, after all these years and all the things we've done to each other, maybe we should just go extinct. And it, that's a little different perspective than I have, but uh, you know, he's he's got a point. You know, what if then, say for instance, there was some sort of Hollywood level extinction event occurring? Let's say a meteorite or something like that, and humans. I mean, this would do. This would destroy the Earth completely for sure. But humans, being the industrious and advanced uh, species that we are develops a plan to prevent this and the saving the planet and everything on it how how would could i mean aren't you kind of risking a complete annihilation of the planet by advocating for no humans at all surely the humans could be placed to actually you know best place to actually save the planet by existing right yeah the the, uh, the risk uh, assessment uh, balancing it out there are uh, 2 million species at, at risk of going extinct and all of them because of us and there is a slim possibility, and I see no reason why we shouldn't try to uh, deflect a meteor coming in to hit the planet. Uh, no, it's no point in letting it hit. It would cause so much destruction. They will eventually, of course, as we uh, go extinct, if whether it's voluntary or involuntary, we won't be around uh, for the billion years, five billion years that uh, the, the sun has. So we will go away eventually, and meteors will hit. But uh, I don't think our presence 
uh, is worth the off chance that we could prevent, uh, um, like the massive uh, vo uh, meteor that hit uh, 66 million years ago. Why extinction then? It seems quite extreme. Why not a, a, you know, a vast reduction in, in population to a level where our environmental impact was you know, negligible? Right. Uh, and, and you know we could be, it seems like a lot of the things that you're concerned about could be reduced significantly why why complete extinction it's true as we uh, went extinct and there were fewer and fewer of us the uh, damage that we cause would be less and less and hopefully we would clean up our little messes like nuclear waste on our way out but it, even before we became homo sapiens as soon as we got fire we started impacting the uh, environment uh, probably adversely causing some local extinctions, setting fire to the grassland and making it easier to avoid predators. And especially after we uh, became homo sapiens, we have been uh, causing extinctions. Uh, it's hard to tell because their fossils are so few, but um, we, we have probably been causing extinctions all along and it has just accelerated to the point it is now. I mean, I've always been of the mind that, um, you know, human human populations are huge issues. It's going to be a huge issue going forward in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, just even housing, for instance, the practicalities of that, uh, you know, yeah. producing enough food, the amount of uh, environmental damage, sort of agriculture, factory farming mm -hmm. courses, things like that. But then I'll I'll turn on the Joe Rogan show and, and see Elon Musk saying that the, you know, the biggest <laughs> threat to humanity is depopulation. Which right. had me scratching my head, and now I will freely admit Elon Musk is a far brighter gentleman than I am. So I'm just wondering, um, what what does no. he what does no what is well what does Elon Musk know that we don't know? <laughs> well, he doesn't know how to read a graph, <laughs> a simple <laughs> population chart. You know, the the two previous billion uh, humans were added in twelve years each. The last billion was added in eleven years. I don't think we have to worry about the population dropping. Now, if you are a capitalist and you want to sell a lot of cars and you're way up on the pyramid scheme that is capitalism, you want a lot more down at the bottom. Not just a few, a lot. The more, the better. Okay. I mean, so uh, obviously there, the implication is that, you know, uh, Elon Musk wants an increase in population because that'll obviously right. line his pockets, his more customers. I'm, pre I'm not pretty sure that's not the reasons that he, the stated reasons that he gave. Are, are you aware of what reasons he, he put forward for this increase in population? I, I, I appreciate I'm asking you to tell me the thoughts of you somebody know, else. I, I'm really not sure. Uh, no. He said that it will uh, result in the uh, collapse of civilization if we don't st start having more babies. And, uh, you know, babies don't do a lot to help civilization that I could see. I guess he's Useless. figuring it. Yeah. <laughs> Useless little creatures. For I the, know. For the longest time, yeah. Um, I mean, this this all seems, I mean, on the face of it, from a logical perspective, if you know, if you if you want to, you know, directly address the things you're concerned about, the environment, uh, extinction of other creatures, obviously humans not being here, that makes a perfectly logical uh, sense in terms of a uh, solution. But I mean, is it not a case of deeply unrealistic utopian thinking to the point where is it even worth advocating on behalf of this idea? Because once you put it forward and, and say uh, human extinction would be a great solution and then uh -huh. the, 
their people just say, well, do we have to? And you say, no, right. it's voluntary. They'll say, no, thank you. And then that, that will right. just go, go ahead. I mean, it, it, some people may be forgiven for thinking that perhaps you're not entirely serious about this. Well, there is some humor in it, of course. Without a little levity, the gravity will just bring us right down. That, you know, each new person that is not created on this planet is one more uh, opportunity for wildlife. And also, it avoids the suffering that uh, this new person will likely endure in the next 80 years if they live that long. Because I don't like to get all doom and gloom about it, but things are not looking all that great for the biosphere. Uh, that alone, you don't have to be an antinatalist to say, you know, I think it would be cruel to bring somebody into existence at this time. Maybe if things get better, there's no indication that they will, but they could. And if they do, maybe rethink it. Oh, the reason I, I advocate complete uh, extinction is that it was only about 70,000 years ago, we were down to less than 10,000 of us. And now look, you know, we are just so freaking fecund. We, we will just get right up there again. Okay, well, so just to play devil's advocate here, and, and um, I, I'll preface this question by letting you know I am a vegetarian, mostly for ethical reasons, but a lot of people would say, well, why, why is animal life so important? Why do they deserve to live over humans, for instance? Why should we prioritize the continued existence uh, of, of the uh, animal kingdom over our own self-interest? Right, and, and it's not... I wouldn't include our livestock, you know, between us and our livestock, 96% uh, of the mammal biomass is us and our livestock. But wildlife, if you use a balance scale and you put one human, one species, us, on one side, and you put all the species going extinct on the other side, even if you give us, you know, we invented the balance beam, we should be able to have a bit more uh, importance. So even if you give us like a million times more importance, the balance still shifts towards our extinction for the sake of all the other uh, species on the planet. Sorry, just to clarify on that point, you think, I mean, do you think our extinction is just inevitable as a natural progression, regardless of whether we've, we've openly volunteered? Sure, yes, that's right. No doubt. Uh, and it's just how we get there and how soon. Uh, you know, there are estimates at the end of the century and a few people going, oh, by 2030. Well, you know, you're going to have some estimates that uh, go way over. But uh, at the rate we're going, if we continue as we are, I really don't see how we can uh, last till the end of the century because there are so many uh, being added. Now, if we could have universal reproductive freedom, and uh, it, the 121, unintend, 121 million unintended conceptions uh, every year, uh, only 48 million of them are carried to term, and we're increasing by 70 million. So, you know, we'd still be increasing by 22 million. But if we really wanted to, there have been very successful voluntary uh, um, movements to uh, improve birth rates. And when they do, those countries do very well. Vietnam is, is uh, one of the reasons that they are doing so well now is that they uh, their birth rate lowered. You get the de uh, demographic uh, dividend by having a lower birth rate.
Isn't it just a complete non-starter in in the context of uh, of you know the the spread and um, adherence to say Catholicism, which is very you know pro uh, pro procreation, mm-hmm. uh, you know very anti contraceptive. Uh, mm-hmm. This is seen. Uh, you know, wed with the idea of God, a God-given right and duty to reproduce and, and bring new life into the world. It's, you know, seen as one of the most important things you can do. So just that aspect of it, how how does how are you going to convince deeply religious people? Second, I mean, bringing up children is probably one of the most wonderful and unique uh, and amazing human mm-hmm. ex- experiences humans can have. And you, you'd be openly telling people to deny themselves that as well. Do you not feel a little bit like uh, the Grinch in that respect? Right. Well, you know, if there were no children on the planet, our societies would be greatly diminished. But is it fair? Is it not exploitative to... Uh, create new people just so that we can enjoy the most fun part of their lives and then, you know, send them off to fend for themselves. Like, I just love kittens. Don't like cats too much. I just want to have a kitten. They're, they're fun. And they'll, they'll have to be out the door as soon as they turn into a cat. So, yes, it, it is. Uh, it, I, I enjoy children a lot. I'm a teacher. I've been working with children for over 40 years. But um, I also feel rather uh, sorry for them. Uh, as to what kind of life they're going to have uh, over the next lifespan, 80 years, by the end of the century. Just just moving back to this natural extinction that you believe is yes. mm-hmm. on the horizon, I think a, a lot of people who will turn themselves so-called climate skeptics who don't accept uh, climate change, perhaps, or certainly don't accept the idea that men have a the humankind rather has a, has a direct hand in it, they will often point to various doomsday predictions on this score over the, you know, over the years, you know, if they'd be told by such a day, there'll be no more fish in the sea by such a day, the weather will be unbearable here. And then these dates all seem to come uh, and pass and that we seem to be doing perfectly fine. Do you not worry that maybe um, the, you know, your, your similar predictions might go the same way? Oh, I don't think there's any uh, doubt that we will go, uh, involuntarily extinct rather than voluntarily extinct it's it's uh, aspirational but uh as you mentioned there won't be any fish in the sea after a certain point we we are a super predator over the eons of uh evolution every now and then a super predator comes along they get so good at killing their prey that they kill all their prey and of course then they go extinct but with us, we'll eat just about anything. We're eating krill, for goodness sakes. So it's going to take a lot longer for this particular super predator to go extinct. Sorry, I missed that. What, what are we eating now? Yeah, I know. You can get krill. Uh, krill oil is supposed to be good for you. <laughs> oh, okay. That's that's news to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I, I live in England, so, you know, much of our cuisine is, is based on a dare half the time uh, <laughs> yeah. anyway but i mean just looking back at this idea of innovation again because it does feel mm-hmm. like we are kind of on the on the precipice of uh, some great new technology that would solve our energy crisis i know things such as kind of uh, lab meat is it sometimes known or cultured meat yeah. would solve a lot of our issues mm-hmm. with uh, the pollution from factory farming and co2 emissions and things like that would, would it not be a more positive and realistic message to kind of advocate in that direction and, and, and instead of looking for an all or nothing solution maybe leaning towards a reduction or an improvement yes well all of these improvements will be great but to come right out and say 
that the intentional creation of one more of us by anyone, anywhere, is can be justified would be uh, pandering to existing uh, misconceptions. That a lot of the trouble we have is that scientists know and they don't say because they don't want to be seen as radicals. But I don't care. I'm not a scientist and I have no reputation. And so I can come right out and say, look, you can't justify creating a new human today. How how big would you say this this movement is? I, I mean, how, can you do you have a, no, a kind of number or estimate of the number of members, if, if there are members, if that's the right word? Yeah, it, it's not an organization, so it's just people who agree with it. There, there are probably a few million based on uh, how many people write to me and say or email me and say, I thought I was the only one on the planet who thought this way. You know, there, there are people who are arriving at this conclusion on their own, look around and say, you know, without humans, this would be a pretty nice place. And then they go, well, OK, how are we going to do this? And if they're at all humane and uh, have some compassion, they'll say, well, we should do it voluntarily. Let's just stop procreating and go extinct. <laughs> forgive forgive the crassness of, of this this question of course but obviously the, the the idea is to stop procreating as well i mean why i mean why are these people not uh, thinking you know if, if they're that passionate about it they can just kind of remove themselves from humanity voluntarily anytime they like which is not mm -hmm. something i'd i'd want or advocate for but obviously right. if, if we're going to follow this to its logical conclusions if people mm -hmm. think humans are the problem they understand this about humans they could simply take their own life mm-hmm yeah, and uh, this has been suggested only twice today, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, three times. No, but you're not you're not advocating it. You're just asking. No, <laughs> no. Uh, our our motto is "May we live long and die out." We'll all be dead soon enough. There's no sense in rushing it, especially in my case. You know, if I got 20 years, that's that's pretty good. So 20 more uh, human impact years. Whereas if we are able to help a couple avoid an unwanted conception and they then don't carry it uh, to term that new human, that's 80 years of impact. So you know, compared to my 20 years, that's Fair a lot enough. more. <laughs> just got a question uh, from the chat, Carrie Rogers, just to pick up on what we were speaking about earlier. What sort of time scale is Les thinking of for the end of humans? I'm, I'm pretty sure that re maybe a, that refers to the, the, you know, the natural extinction of humans. Yes, yes, that would it would be a hundred years and maybe even longer because uh, that's assuming it catches on right away because we would put a lot of uh, energy into um, longevity, keeping alive everyone who is uh, in existence. So you think within within a hundred years we're looking at a, a natural human extinction event? Well, that's you know if everybody says yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> How many people watching this? Uh, podcast it's like yeah. oh, it's a lot but it, even if every one of them said dying that guy's got an idea i'm gonna stop procreating right now tonight i'm gonna put on a condom <laughs> but i mean this brings me back to my my earlier question i suppose in, in the fact that not this is never going to happen is it no we're not going to get the world to voluntarily stop procreating so wouldn't your time and efforts be better spent channeled towards something that could you know produce tangible results in terms of you know increasing well-being whilst reducing you know famine mm -hmm. evolution sorry um, environmental damage things like that sure sure well the fact that we're not going to succeed is another good reason not to procreate but uh, if I really wanted to uh, cease promoting this idea, which the reason I do it is so that people can rethink 
uh, what it means to procreate. Uh, you know, natalist, pro, uh, natalist programming, cultural conditioning, uh, a lot of people have never considered not procreating. And so if I can help them think about it, maybe they really don't want to do that. And maybe they, the offspring that they would have would be better off not coming into existence with that particular uh, parent. So it helps just to get people thinking about it. Are you, are you not fighting hundreds of years of you know evolution and adaptation and human nature in the sense that if we were just to boil it down to uh, you know our, our giant ape brains, it seems that we do tend to lean towards anything that increases the chances of passing on our genes, and obviously yes. uh, procreating is the chief um, uh, way one achieves that. Are, are you fighting yes. a losing battle just with human nature in general? It, 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 I don't think it's human nature exactly because we don't uh, know when we have sex that we are uh, creating a new human. So it is the drive to have sex that uh, creates the new human. We can intervene in that if we have the wherewithal. Hundreds of millions of women do not have the wherewithal. They're denied their uh, human right to not procreate. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> Um, you know, you're fighting oh, a, a losing battle against human, human yes, nature. Yes. Uh, yeah, it may as well be biological, as ingrained as it is. And all societies have evolved to be natalist, because if, you, if a society wasn't natalist, they would be overpowered by one that was. And same with the religions you mentioned earlier. The, they're all natalist. If they weren't, like the Shakers and a few, they'd just die out. So... Uh, evolution, social evolution has uh, created a very natalistic society and uh, social institutions like the church. They're very, uh, not just, of course, they want more uh, adherence and it's easier to uh, breed them than to convert them because, you know, you take that to an adult and go, here's how it works. And they're going, uh, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a fair a fair observation. So, at what point in your life did you catch on to this idea and think there's something to this? I mean, are there any like thought leaders that you know you could say are, are champions of this movement or who started the movement? Well, when I got the uh, idea that we should stop, it was in 1970, and we had just had the first Earth Day in the states. And the idea that there were too many of us, and there were only 3.5 billion at the time, uh, was just part and parcel of the uh, environmental movement. It, everybody considered, yeah, the fewer of us there are, we've got to stop you know, increasing so much. The trouble is, uh, stop at two offspring became the motto and uh, sort of legitimized what people were going to do anyway. And they're going, yeah, for the environment, we're only replacing ourselves. Well, of course, two plus two is four, and then those two will have two. And it, it is, uh, as Malthus said, we will increase uh, geometrically. So uh, that's when I started saying, no, don't stop at two, stop at once. And of course, uh, Paul Ehrlich's The Population Bomb came out at that time. And there was an organization called Zero Population Growth. Of course, I joined that, even though they were recommending stop at two come on let's get more radical here <laughs> <laughs> so a, another question we've had here from a nexus do the members of vh emt offer themselves up as the 
the first in line to go. So I think that ties into ah, my rather cross yeah, <laughs> question earlier. Uh, I mean, I suppose another way of looking at that yeah. as well is uh, do, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, do you have children of, of your own? Do, do various members have children? And how, how does that kind of tally with your world? Oh, sure. Yeah, there, there, quite a few people have uh, had offering before they came to this conclusion. And as far as I know, I have not uh, co-created a new human. Uh, how would I know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I did get fixed fairly young, 25, but, you know, anyway, uh, no, I do not have any biological offspring, but there are 2 billion children in our family, not just the Knight family, but the, you know, the whole human family. Yeah, two, two nights on this evening, not, yeah. not really. As far as I'm aware. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I've I've really enjoyed this this conversation, even though it, you know it does focus around uh, you know human extinction for sure. And I'm just wondering what what kind of reactions do you get from people when you when you push this forward? Oh, because... You know, it, it's really amazing. I, I have uh, information tables and booths, and uh, even if people don't fully appreciate it, they say, you know, yeah, that does seem like a good idea. Uh, not that I'm going to stop procreating, <laughs> and I would like grandkids, <laughs> but uh, but it's really been favorably received. Maybe the presentation helps. We're no, we're uh, we're presented well, very lightly. Just to uh, play devil's advocate again, I mean, why would the planet be worth preserving? Why? Why again? I suppose, but going back to this ethical question of why would the animal kingdom or the animals have any? you know, bigger right to existence than, than we do, for instance. Why, why is their well-being of more importance than our existence? Yes. In, in fact, uh, many have asked, uh, what good is a planet without humans on it? Uh, of course, it's the same good it was before we came along. But it, it's the idea is that, you know, we are a rather special species, I guess you could say. No other species does what we do. And uh, what we do is actually killing the biosphere. And I think uh, rather than a uh, climate crisis being our uh, net, uh, what brings us down, uh, a collapse of the biosphere due to extinctions is far more likely. Uh, I think it, as we continue on as we are, well, first, we don't have the uh, insects that we used to. Your, your windscreen probably doesn't have many. And when I worked in a petrol station, I was washing them off of uh, windshields every time they pulled in. Now it just doesn't happen. So that I think that indicates we can't live without insects. You know, we really can't. All right. So, as well, I like to say, I've really enjoyed speaking to you. Maybe you can just uh, let our viewers and listeners know where they can find out more yeah, information. Certainly. Yeah. And I, and I, 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 I'm sorry to end on, on such a, uh, a note as the insectageddon that's going on. But, uh, you know, if we take care of everybody who's here, that's what really counts. Take care of each other and uh, not create more of us. And then we're able to care better for people. And it's it's vehement.org, B-H-E-M-T.org. Everything will be there. Blaise, it's been a pleasure. Lovely to speak to you. You too, brother. Take care. Take care.